Hello, and welcome to Locked and Binging with me, Drea. So I just want to say, whoever listens to this, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. I honestly don't know what in the hell I am doing. So we're going to get into it. Have you ever thought about like buying your dream house? Um, what it would look like? How many rooms it would have? Where it would be? And if you would ever let anyone house sit your house or watch your house? Well, let me tell you about the new Netflix series, The Watcher. A pretty good show. Um, this podcast is definitely going to have some spoilers, so I'm very sorry if you have not watched it and you want to watch it don't listen to us quite yet maybe after so this show is loosely based on a few true crime stories when i first started watching the series uh the brannick family is introduced to us they seem like you know an upper class family people who want to move out of the city who have the money to do that who have like the options to do that I did notice that the mom and the son were matching and the dad and the daughter are matching. I'm not too sure if that was like significant or not, but I feel like you should know that. I don't know why. It just seems like to me that like maybe the colors that the mom and the son were wearing were like white. And for whatever reason, we, you know, think that white means pure in a sense I guess like you know like when you get married and stuff like that so they're wearing white so I feel like that means like they're being they're pure and you know what and the, the dad and the daughter are wearing like brown and white so like I don't know if that means like they're bad or like muddy they're gonna be just messy I'm not too sure but I feel like it was like it, it's something that we have to talk about because why not it, it was it was very strange to me they were matching their children like they, their children are not like you know they're not three these these kids go to school you know like they have cell phones and ipads and stuff like that so i'm not too sure so the house that they go to look at is an old victorian house obviously when you have an open house other people are allowed to show up and the other people that were showing up were weird um they find out that there is a dumb waiter in the house which is like a little elevator that like sends up food and stuff the basement isn't finished and the house could use like a few touch-ups of modern fashion i guess in a sense like because they have money to do that even though they really don't have money at all like well not like that they're not rich um we meet dean and nora brannick they fall in love with the house but they know for a fact that they cannot afford it but still dean is like oh my god i'm gonna have this house i'm gonna buy this house because i love this house i don't really know why but yeah so he loves this house they are talking to the realtor and she wants them to bid high because there are other bidders in my honest opinion at first i didn't believe that there was any other bidders and i still don't think that there were because at one point nora is asking like i'll tell you that later i'm getting ahead of myself so yeah she tells him to bid high and apparently nora knows this lady from the past like i guess like they're friends in some point in time i don't know how because they are completely opposite people i'm gonna note in here that nora is actually an artist and 
she makes like pottery stuff that's very important to know um yeah i really don't think there was any other bidders i'm not really too sure why the hell i am sure that the realtor wanted to say that to them because she's like oh they're gonna buy it if somebody else wants it this is america so that's what happens so dean finds a way to you know get the house because he gets like a really high interest um a really high interest loan this man has no type of funds no type of nothing to be trying to get any of that he i don't know what he was thinking besides you know being greedy and wanting a better life for his family which like everybody wants a better life for their family obviously but if you can afford it right now why don't you just wait i understand like you're not gonna i, I can't even say that he was acting like he needed it at that point like it was his high the house was his high and he needed it pretty weird so he was able to get the loan because he convinced the guy who was like at the bank to give him the loan who'd figure out ways around and whatever he empties out all his fucking money and saves like ten thousand dollars he is like insane and he asked the guy at the bank to do it because that's his friend and his friend is like oh yeah well we'll figure it out blah blah at first he was telling him no but dean was like so persistent that he just was like okay whatever okay i guess we're gonna fucking do that whatever so once moving in the neighbors are like kind of strange and like we realize that like they're fucking weird um we're gonna start off with jasper and pearl jasper to me seems very off mentally and pearl is just she's just a fucking weirdo that's it like I, there's no other way to describe her she's just fucking weird like she's a grown-ass woman with a wednesday adam hairstyle very weird i like the big ass glasses and she just she's just weird like why, why she why she dressed like that i don't know very weird um they have like this attachment to the house that is just like unsettling to say the least um jasper likes to play in the dumbwaiter um which the family soon like discovers because as they're going through the house you know after they bought it and everything um carter which is one of the brannock's kids he goes upstairs and he like hears something like in there and like he opens it and there's jasper being fucking weird and then dean drags him out and yeah drags him out and like threatens him and then all of a sudden pearl is getting upset because the last owners allowed him to do that which i feel like that's fucking weird too why the hell are they doing that that's really fucking weird um but soon after the brannocks move in the letter starts the letters start soon after the brannocks move in the letters start the first letter is addressed to the new owners the letter states dearest new neighbor at 657 boulevard allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood how did you end up here did 657 boulevard call you from its force within 657 boulevard has been subject of my family for decades now and as it approaches its 110th birthday I've been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. Someone watched the house in the 1920s and someone else watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies on the walls at 657 Boulevard? 
I wonder what brought you here. I see that you have already flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can finish the basement. Why was it left that way? It might not frighten you yet, but it will. What else did they tell you? You have two children. I have seen them. Are there more on the way? You need to fill the house with young blood. Better for me. It was greed that brought your children here. Once I know their names, I'll draw them to me. I'll draw to them. No, I'll call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds of cars that drive by each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look out. Under the windows in 657 Boulevard and all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. This message will not be the last. Welcome, friends. I am the Watcher. There's a creepy-ass message in it. I don't know about y'all, but if I would've got that message, I would've hauled ass. Because, first of all, we just moved in. How the hell you know, how in the hell did you even know that the sale was final? Like, we, we didn't even know the sale was final, but you already over here making letters and shit. Like, you had the time to sit there and be like, yep, here they go. I'ma find out who they are, here we go. Like, that that's not okay. That's somebody who has way too much time on their hands. Well, the Brannock took the damn letters to the police. And, you know, um, like, because when you get a letter like that, you're not going to just be like, eh, okay, I'm going to throw it in the garbage. Because why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense to just do that because, God forbid, that was your only evidence, like someone breaking into your house. We then meet the character, Detective Chamberlain. He basically tells him nothing is to, nothing. There's nothing to worry about, and that there's nothing that he really can do. They can maybe send a squad car, but really they don't have resources because of budget cuts and stuff like that. The Brannocks go home, and a few days later, another letter arrives. The letter reads, "Mr. and Mrs. Brannock, I am pleased to know your names now, and the names of the young blood you have brought me. You certainly say their names often, Ellie Carter." Ellie is a lovely pianist with delicate fingers. 657 Boulevard is happy you are here. It's been years since Youngblood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the Youngblood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The last family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. 657 Boulevard is my job now, my life my obsession. And now you are too, Brannock family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Welcome. You know I will be watching. Okay, so by this time, the Brannocks are well aware of their weird neighbors. Mo and Mitch are sitting in the lawn chairs facing the house. Like, I don't know who does that, but they doing it. They even take it a step further as like picking like arugula from um, the Brannock's weird thing. I don't know. Like, I don't even know what they call it because 
I don't know why you would plant arugula there. It, it, it's just weird. It's not like a garden, but I guess it is in a sense, but it's not. <sighs> Dean goes back to the police station and talks to Chamberlain about these letters more and says he wants to know who this person is. Chamberlain expresses that he could hire security to sit in front of the house 24-7, which would be expensive. He then suggests a private detective. By this time, the Brandings have already are already having like security cameras installed by Dakota. Dean then meets Theodora and hires her. Theodora finds a person who last lived in the house and his name is Andrew. Andrew, mm, I don't know. I'm not really too sure about Andrew. Like when he first met Dean, he just, he just seemed out of it. Um, Andrew meets with Dean and tells him how he thinks Mo and Mitchell are part of a blood cult. Um, it's, he has like a whole storyline of why he thinks that they are in a blood cult. And honestly, when you see the show, if you're going to watch it, it's just really strange to me that Dean actually listened to this BS because I have a three-year-old. My three-year-old does not talk the way that Andrew was saying that his three-year-old was talking. Like, saying, oh, I have to tell you something about, like, what I saw and then telling him what, like, that, it just, no. That's not okay. Um, Nora and Karen are hanging out and Nora tells Karen about her and Dean's financial past and how they, you know, had to declare bankruptcy because of Dean making bad investments and everything else. Karen talks about her ex-husband and how she took everything from him and also that Nora deserves to have nice things just like everybody else. Um, then, after she's hanging out at the club, it's in, like at the country club, Karen is just, I don't know, I don't like Karen. I just don't. That name is stuff. I just don't like her. She is terrible. Terrible person. Um... One day, Dean comes home. Um, he comes home and he's, you know, the, the contractors are there. They're working on the house and whatever. And there's a man in his kitchen making a sandwich. And when Dean asks him, like, who the hell are you? <laughs> what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm John, the, the inspector of the house. And your wife said that I can help myself to anything uh, to make myself at home. Now... First of all, the job isn't done. So why is there an inspector there? What are you inspecting? And why did Dean not question this? Why was he just like, oh, my wife said it's okay. That's okay then. It's okay that you're just in our fridge making a sandwich. Like, no, that's not okay. I would have, I would have been asking for like identification, something. It just doesn't, doesn't make much sense to me of why Dean didn't ask any further. Um, John wastes the sandwich and that is a crucial part to me because first of all how the hell are you just out here making sandwiches that ain't yours and then you're just wasting them wasting it after like disgusting yourself like whatever John then begins to tell Dean how he handled a situation with his daughter because his daughter was apparently the school whore and was trying to talk to her no not was she was talking to her teacher and John caught them in the act and he tells Dean how he took care of it basically admitting that he like killed her 
Um, honestly, it was just Dean looked at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> but it also seemed like Dean was like very like interested and like, wow, I need to figure out how to handle my daughter like that. <laughs> John mentions to Dean, you know, that like she was a school whore and how he dealt with her and then contradicts himself and tells Dean he will be back in a few days to check out the house, you know, to inspect it. And then he tells him he'll never see him again. John also recommends that Dean takes his family to the church down the street from the house. And yeah, Dean goes downstairs to the contractor and he's like, I do not like that inspector upstairs. Then the contractor tells him, um, yeah, we don't have a con- we don't have an inspector named John. Like, and also like they don't come until, you know, the job is done. And John and then and Dean is like, What? <laughs> he probably fucking felt like an asshole. Because why are you why would you think that? Why is that not like clicking in your head that like you can't inspect something that's not done? That doesn't make any sense. It's just it's just crazy. Um, at this time in the, you know, between Nora and Dean, they're not having the greatest of intimacy. They're not really doing that because they're both like just stressed out. Well, Dean is stressed out because it seems like Nora's like living in her, her own little world to me. She goes to the police like once with Dean and it just seems like she's just chilling at the end of the day. Um, so Nora tries to have, you know, sex with him and Dean is like, he almost... He almost was having sex with her, and then all of a sudden he was like, Oh my god, I gotta check the security cameras. <laughs> and Nora was just like, He's like, Oh my god, just fucking forget it. Just forget it. Because I don't have time for this. And she takes the kids and they go back to the motel because obviously, uh, Dean, the Jesus ruined the whole mood for everybody involved. Um, Theodora calls Dean and tells him about the files that she found and then it's revealed that John Gaff killed his family in that home. Dean then tells Theodora that he met with John and Theodora dismisses that claim because she's just like, there ain't no way in hell. This man went missing for how long? Why would he come to the house to tell Dean? Who, who are you? Nobody. Um, Dean also questions Theodora, like, did the house change John? Because he feels like he's turning into John. Because his family's driving him fucking nuts and he just can't handle it anymore. Uh, Dean is then set up by Dakota. There's a flash drive of Dean in a room with another woman. And he actually is like fast asleep. And Nora doesn't believe that, you know, she doesn't believe him. I want to say she doesn't believe him. She believes whatever the hell that she sees. But clearly, if she continued to watch the video, Dean is fast asleep. He has no idea who that woman is. Like, he, he doesn't even feel anybody in the room. But it's clearly like an underage girl. And, you know, everybody's like, what the fuck? The video was sent to the job and everything because at this point, you know, John, not John, sorry. At this point, Dean and Nora have found out that Ellie has sent pictures and received pictures from Dakota. Dakota's 19, she's 16, but in the state of New Jersey, 16 is like it's consent order, whatever. So he can't get in trouble because like, you know, it's consent. So Dean gets upset about that. And he also, 
asked Theodora, you know, about like Dakota and she tracks Dakota and does illegal things. Someone is breaking into his computer and we find out that his username is The Watcher. And all of a sudden, Dakota is being accused of being The Watcher. He has to go down to the police station with his mom and his lawyer, give a DNA sample and all this other stuff. Come to find out, the DNA sample, um, The Watcher is a woman. So there, there's that. Not even a man, woman. Um, yeah. So Dakota had put, you know, a camera in the Brannick's bedroom because he was convinced that Dean was the watcher. But he said if he wasn't the watcher, it was a way to rule him out, basically. So that's why he did it. He also felt that he was writing the letters and stuff like that. So I don't know. Um, Dean wants to sell the house so you know after all this is occurring he's ready to sell the house he's ready to retreat um uh ellie she makes a huge claim that her parents are racist because because they take her phone she literally goes and says my parents won't let me talk to won't let me have my phone because I'm in love with an African American. Like it was, it was so dramatic for no reason. For no reason. Um, at one point, for whatever reason, you know the Nora and the kids are at the motel. They get a phone call and it's just someone breathing. Um, they try to star sixty nine it, and it's just ringing and ringing and ringing, and we find out that it's coming from the house. So obviously. The watchers in the house is fucking calling them and shit. But Nora's just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. So then, you know, that's when Dakota and Ellie get their, you know, their first initial, not, not uh, initial meeting, but like doing things they shouldn't be fucking doing because Dakota was hired actually by the family to be a 24 hour watchman and whatever. So there's that. Um, it's just, it's crazy that, like, how this all just unfolded. <laughs> Dakota thinks that it's fucking Dean. Dean thinks it's Dakota. Everyone thinks that the family is just doing it because they want to back out of the house. But the, the houses have already been sold to them. So there's just, there was no backing out. Um, Dean is found out by Nora. Once, you know, she's looking through the phone records because she's trying to figure out, like, who was this woman in this video? Who is this? Who is that? And she finds, like, the call and she automatically assumes, like, Dean fucking called and that's crazy. Like, oh my God, he really called and he's trying to make it seem like the watcher called, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so after that whole thing, she has a whole meeting with Theodore. Um, they do, like this whole thing with the letters they get sent to a person who analyzes the letters and come to find out dean wrote one of the letters like a psychopath because he really wanted to leave the house so he decided it was okay for him to write a goddamn fake letter just putting him in more turmoil Theodora tells Nora about the letters and how Dean wrote one of them. She then continues to tell her how Dean has misled her and when they got the house he actually tricked her into signing 
the what is it IRA to like empty all of their savings and stuff to get this house. She then finds out that Dean never made partner, um, and that you know he's been lying about a lot of things. But on the upside, Nora Nora's artwork is just taking off. So if she really did want to leave Dean, she really could have at any point because she does threaten to divorce him. But she really could have left because her artwork was doing so great. She's making a lot of money because I guess artwork is worth some, some shit. Um, Dean, when the kids and Nora were staying at the motel, Dean actually had like a nightmare about um, two gunshots he heard that woke him out of his sleep. And then come to find out, uh, Mo and Mitch had killed themselves. And as we go further along, he is, you know, he got kicked out of the house by Nora because she found out all these things that he did. And then he stakes out the house because he's sitting there. He wants to know who the hell the watcher is and he wants to know because it's ruining his family. It's ruining his life. But in reality, it's it's him ruining his life because anyway, I told you to write their letter like a weirdo. Then he sees Mo and Mitch arrive home. And was just looking at them and you know Mo smiled at him through the window and it was like and Pearl for whatever reason the girl was standing in the in the window and all of a sudden the lights went out like it was, it was just weird whole weird scene um Mo Mo not Mo and Karen Mo Nora and Pearl have a sit down and Mo tells them um about their um their mentally ill son who went and found homeless people i believe that's what it was homeless people and that had the same like height and build as them and killed them and made up a whole scene and now like he's in the mental hospital and stuff like that because he killed two people i mean he really should be in jail but they're like oh well he's insane we're gonna put him in a mentally insane hospital so that's what they did um Mo thinks that it was Chris writing the letters to everybody so she she just kept it to herself she didn't know Pearl thinks that it's Jasper because Jasper he knows how to write and stuff like that he he wasn't always mute the way he is now uh we do find out that he's probably definitely mute because he walked in on a murder scene um then the Brad the Brannicks found out find out about an ode to a house. Dean and Dakota work together to find out how the girl from the footage got into the house and, and there's no way to there, there's no way to find out where she how she got in. Um Dean also admits to writing the third letter to Nora, which and then he begs her, begs her not to leave him because he's doing it for them. In reality, he's doing it for himself because he's a fucking idiot. Um, after finding out that the Watcher is a woman, Karen and Chamberlain are seen together at the country club, you know, all night clothes, boot up, and stuff like that. They are then accused by Dean and Nora of being in on this and that they're the Watchers and they need to stop and that they're going to have a lawsuit against them. Ellie finds the, the Facebook group called an ode to a house and discovers the man who started it was at the open house and he was the weird one with the bow tie who asked the question about the, 
those certain people that build who, who built the house or something um the tunnels under the house are found by one of the contractors and once Nora and Dean go downstairs and you know they're investigating this after the contractor shows them they actually end up chasing somebody and then they lose them and after that John is the one that they're that they're chasing after and he goes into a tunnel and at the end of the tunnel is a door he knocks on a door and it's Pearl so Pearl has an entranceway to their house as well it's insane um Dean and Nora go back to the police Chamberlain refuses to help them because they literally just embarrass him publicly in front of everybody saying that he is the watcher he is the one who's causing all these problems him and Karen him and Karen are doing everything um he literally tells them he is going to do absolutely fucking nothing um he threatens them of he threatens them and says he's considering every report that they've made to be false since it's speculated that Dean wrote one of the letters Dean thinks that Theodora has gone back to him and said to him you know these things have these things happened they came out of me doing my private detector stuff and whatever um we find out that Roger Kaplan is obsessed with houses and the reason he's obsessed with houses is because he grew up in a broken family he was poor and his friends that were rich he just loved the way their houses looked now when he came up with an ode to a house it was like basically love letters to a house that you loved i guess it's very weird but he came up with that because when he met his wife and they were you know getting serious whatever and they were going house hunting he didn't have the most money to put down for the house but um he wrote a letter to them telling them how he would take care of it and he would cherish every moment of the house and he lost the house because you can't you know live off of dreams and hope you have to put your money where your mouth is and there was other bids that were way higher than what he was trying to offer so they went with a higher offer so then he brought them to the classroom and the kids started writing letters to the houses that they love. Um, what's strange is that once you find that piece of information out, you're just like, oh my god, are there kids doing this? Are there, is there a kid watcher just writing these letters? But I don't know, it might just be overthinking it. Um, we come to like... Uh, close to the end and the Westfield Preservation Society is a group with Jasper Pearl and John Gaff. John Gaff is afraid of change and doesn't know when it started happening. The Brennan try to sell and they can't. They move back to the city and it, it seems like it's just gotten worse since they, since they moved back. There's some man who's like in front of their apartment like shooting up in his toe like mad crazy. Um, Nora's still making mad money with her artwork and she's definitely making enough to support the family and Dean he can't handle that but he's definitely obsessed with the house and the watcher he writes letters to the neighbors because he's just so mad that they didn't stay there and he couldn't figure out who the hell the watcher was um Theodora has cancer and she's dying um she 
writes herself into this to the case because she really just wanted Dean and his family to have peace so she made up a whole story about how she's the watcher she was the previous owner and how she did all these things and that she only came clean to him now because she was gonna die and he was gonna go crazy like trying to find out who it was but she covered her track so well that he would never find anything about it kind of find out that was a lie her daughter says yeah no she wrote herself in because that was a case she couldn't solve and she just wanted you guys to have peace so then dean is just like oh my fucking god you kidding me like he thought he thought he thought he solved it but he did not i mean it's all shit roger and mo become a part of the society roger wonders how they can control how people decorate their houses he then recognizes john gaff and asks how his family is jasper gets mad uncomfortable and bangs the gavel to change the subject because john is the reason that jasper doesn't talk so i don't know that is crazy karen gets the house in the end and she realizes that it was more than what she bargained for and she gets a letter her dog is killed and she's run out of the house it's crazy also the watcher is never caught it, like you watch this whole series and thinking that you know oh my god they're gonna catch the watcher can't wait to find out this john gaff and it's not we don't find out who the watcher is to this day they still have no idea who it is who she is who it is we don't know but in conclusion i feel like when you're gonna buy a house maybe just maybe do your research about the property before purchasing like exhaust your resources to no end because you have no idea what you're moving into and i'm sure that somebody on the internet somewhere knows something about this house like you can't just go based off how it looks on the outside that's just not how it works you know you gotta look all that stuff because if you don't you gotta end like the like the brannocks well that's this week's episode of locked and binging don't forget to join me next week for another episode thanks for listening